Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The truth Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, June 24th, 2022, the 520th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. If you are hearing this podcast two days later than the day I just said on a normal podcast platform, you are missing the boat. Get the episodes when they come out exclusively on Substack by signing up for a paid subscription on Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can sign up for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to less than a quarter per episode and you will get all of the writing and stuff right off the bat when I release it. That is the best way to keep up with the show. Now, if you have not read part seven of my Who Is At Q series, because sitting down and reading for an hour and a half straight is a big hill to climb. And I understand that it is for a lot of people. Busy lives, hard to sit down and relax and just read. Patrick Gunnels did a great reading of that piece last night on his show, Reading Epic Threads. 
You can find Patrick Gunnell's work on Rumble. All the videos are there. And as I have said before, I think that is one of the best pieces of work I have ever produced. It was an honor to hear Patrick read it and enjoy it so much. I enjoyed his reading and I enjoyed his enjoyment. So that was awesome. Tonight, I will be on the Liberty Den live stream with Patel Patriot and the Kate Awakening. So that starts at 930 Eastern. And the link to that is up on Telegram in the info stream, also in Patel's channel there. And I will post those links on Truth Social and Telegram and Getter and wherever as the time approaches this evening. But let's get started. I was all set to lead off the show making fun of the instruction card Joe Biden carried with him into a meeting yesterday where he had very specific instructions on how he was supposed to act in that meeting. It is embarrassing to give anyone instructions like this, especially when you're pretending that this person is actually the president of the United States of America. They had instructions on that card like you take your seat with you and your capitalized as if he is commonly at risk of taking someone else's seat all the time. And of course, he is commonly at risk of that because Joe Biden is incapable of coherent thought. But now all that is small potatoes and I can make fun of so many other things. So that's what we're going to do. The Supreme Court today followed on their decision from yesterday, opening up the constitutional right to keep and bear arms outside the home and struck down New York's restrictions that forced American citizens and the citizens of New York to petition the state to be allowed to exercise the rights guaranteed to them in the Constitution. That is a situation that should never happen. And hopefully we have turned the page on that era and we are getting back to a more constitutionally founded American republic. And in that vein, today we got the decision on Dobbs versus Jackson and the court ruled 6-3 to overturn Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So abortion has been sent back to the states and the states will decide how abortion is handled within the state's borders. I have not read the decision today, but reports say that it is essentially the same as the leaked decision a couple of months ago. And just a snippet from that. Roe was on a collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided. Casey perpetuated its errors, and those errors do not concern some arcane corner of the law of little importance to the American people. Rather, wielding nothing but raw judicial power, the court usurped the power to address a question of profound moral and social importance that the Constitution unequivocally leaves for the people. Casey described itself as calling both sides of the national controversy to resolve their debate. But in doing so, Casey necessarily declared a winning side. Those on the losing side, those who sought to advance the state's interest in fetal life, could no longer seek to persuade their elected representatives to adopt policies consistent with their views. 
The court short-circuited the democratic process by closing it to the large number of Americans who dissented in any respect from Roe. Roe fanned into life an issue that has inflamed our national politics in general and has obscured with its smoke the selection of justices to this court in particular ever since, and that's citing Casey. Together, Roe and Casey represent an error that cannot be allowed to stand. And that is clearly true. Despite what the Democrat Communist Party members say and what celebrities on Instagram are paid to say, there is no right to abortion. Abortion cannot be a right. And it certainly is not a right guaranteed in any way in the Constitution. It is also not implicitly guaranteed. Abortion does not appear in the Constitution. If something is not set in law by the Constitution, then it is up for the states to decide what to do. And that is a problem for the Democrat Communist Party and their uniparty enablers, because despite all their talk about democracy, not that the United States is a democracy, it is not, but despite all their talk about democracy, they actually don't want to leave any decisions up to actual voters. And that's why they steal elections. And once they have stolen elections, they are able to manipulate the public into thinking that a large majority of Americans actually believe something that a large majority of Americans simply does not believe. And they will create polls, of course, to support that. If a large majority of Americans supported abortion, they could simply vote for it within their states. And if they prioritized abortion to such a degree that they felt it necessary to live in a place that allows abortion, they can simply move to a state that allows abortion. Now, eventually, none of the states are going to allow abortion. And we can talk about California and Washington and New York State and all of the other bastions of blueness around the country. But I would doubt they really have strong pro-abortion majorities either. And the eventual exposure and acceptance of vast, overwhelming, obvious election fraud and theft will prove that to be true. The problems we have in this country, these long-term problems because of the corruption and the infiltration and the capture of institutions and the capture of elites... Those things can be solved simply by allowing people to vote in free and fair elections again, because these problems are continually created and exacerbated by politicians who are in their offices illegitimately. Now, the left understands absolutely none of this. They think that everybody just makes laws. They don't understand the three branches of government or what they do or the idea that they are supposed to have co-equal power and the idea that Supreme Court justices not being elected actually does not say anything about their legitimacy. The Supreme Court justices are not supposed to be elected. They're supposed to be appointed. And then the Senate approves them as representatives of the people. If that system breaks down, you can't blame the system. You have to blame the people who are operating the system poorly. And again, without accountability for the politicians, there's not much place for the citizenry to go 
when institutions break down, which is why election fraud is the most important problem always. And so I kind of want to walk through my thoughts about this and the arguments over this issue that you will inevitably confront, whether it's just on social media or in your real life, and kind of put these all into some context. And the best way to do that, I feel like right now, and I might find out I'm totally wrong, is to just go through a lot of the reactions from both sides. And I want to start with the actual president, Donald J. Trump. He wrote today's decision, which is the biggest win for life in a generation, along with other decisions that have been announced recently, were only made possible because I delivered everything as promised, including nominating and getting three highly respected and strong constitutionalists confirmed to the United States Supreme Court. It was my great honor to do so. I did not cave to the radical left Democrats, their partners in the fake news media or the rhinos who are likewise the true but silent enemy of the people. These major victories prove that even though the radical left is doing everything in their power to destroy our country, your rights are being protected. The country is being defended and there is still hope and time to save America. I will never stop fighting for the great people of our nation. And it is reassuring to hear him say that the country is being defended. I hope he actually means that in a broader sense than just the literal sense where he's talking about having put these judges in place to make decisions like this, because we could be on the verge of some pretty insane and heinous political violence from domestic terrorists on the left. And again, that is where the domestic terrorism in this country comes from. Despite what the news says, think of an event where a right winger committed an act of domestic terrorism without using any false flags to make your point. Can't do it. Okay, good. You definitely can give examples of left-wing domestic terrorism. We see them all the time. We saw them throughout the summer of 2020. They have a history of this, a lineage of this. You can trace it back to the 60s and 70s, as I did a couple of weeks ago when discussing the deposed San Francisco district attorney, Chesa Boudin, and his family, all of whom were domestic terrorists, his two actual parents, and then his two adopted parents, all domestic terrorists whether underground and associated organizations. The domestic terrorism we saw in the summer of 2020 from Black Lives Matter Antifa is organized. It is funded. It is funded by foreign sources. These sources are tracked. They are verifiable. The donations to Black Lives Matter were going directly into Act Blue, which is the DNC's own fundraising platform. Those finances were overseen by a group called Thousand Currents, that was their fiscal sponsor on the board of Thousand Currents since a woman named Susan Rosenberg. Susan Rosenberg was a domestic terrorist in the May 19th communist organization, directly responsible for setting off a bomb in the nation's Capitol building. But that's not called domestic terrorism. That's called political activism because the communists are doing it. And that's one of their tactics. And if it's one of their tactics, then you have to see that it is normal. And if it's normal, that means it's okay. Susan Rosenberg was imprisoned for her domestic terrorism. She was pardoned on Bill Clinton's last night in office. And since she has reunited with her cause and her people and she is helping 
to obscure the finances and financial relationships of left-wing domestic terror organizations in the United States, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. More recently, Joe Biden appointed Tracy Stone Manning to the Bureau of Land Management. She is an eco-terrorist. They do not even hide these things. They just rationalize them and justify them and try to recast them as actually good things. These people are so committed to the communist agenda that they are willing to kill and bomb for it. And we are supposed to think that that's a good thing. But before we get into the unbearable lightness of reing, it is worth noting that while states still have the ability to create their own laws around abortion at this time, many states had laws already on the books that they could not enforce because of Roe versus Wade. And then other states had trigger laws so that at the minute Roe versus Wade was overturned, this new law would go into effect prohibiting abortion. There are 26 states that fall under those categories with some level of firm abortion restriction at this point. Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, That's going to be real fun to watch with Gretchen Whitmer there. Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. All of them have restrictive abortion laws going into effect today or in the very near future. There are also states that are likely to adopt abortion measures In the very near future, Florida, Indiana, Montana, and Nebraska. And beyond that, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Now, it is a bit strange to freak out over losing one's ability to get easy access to abortion. And again, this is 26 states. There are 24 states that do not have these restrictive abortion limits. But it is very odd how our culture perceives this idea that we have a right to access to abortion and that access to abortion is a necessary factor of choosing to live in a certain place. Now, I'm certainly not claiming that everybody just has the money and the ability to just move around the country whenever they've decided that their state does not conform to their own personal morality or principles. But the idea that everything has suddenly turned into handmaid's tale and now women are just birthing machines is utterly insane. People still do have the ability to control their behavior and make different decisions. If you are the sort of person who engages in casual sex and you have a more permissive morality about those things, and this is coming from a person who has live that lifestyle and used to think these things. Well, perhaps this is an opportunity to reflect on the morality of this lifestyle. And you might find out that the guilt you have occasionally felt over the years engaging in that lifestyle might have something deeper beneath it. And perhaps you might value the intimacy of sex in a different way if you were more cautious about who you had sex with. And 
please don't think I'm moralizing. I am saying this is a thought process I have engaged in myself. And these are the conclusions that I have reached. And it actually is possible to be happier while restricting yourself, while putting restrictions on your behavior. We have this idea that the ultimate in happiness and freedom is doing anything you want without consequences. That is not it. And the degree to which sex falls under that category for you, for the people around you, then hopefully all of this is cause for some reflection. And you might find out that on a deeper level, the way you're living, the way you lived or have lived might not make the sense you thought it did. Again, I have had this thought process. When I am talking about this stuff, I'm not only talking to you, I'm talking to my former self. So this isn't about a judgment because the truth is you need to make those judgments for yourself. That's where the moral value comes from. It comes from you deciding and you choosing that you want to follow a path that is more morally justifiable. And if you don't believe it's more morally justifiable, then don't do it. But the difference is now consequences are attached. It will not be as easy to get an abortion. And the culture around abortion is going to change too. The cultural and societal incentive structure has now changed. This is something people are going to have to think about. This is going to change our sexual culture. Right along with, by the way, the fact that the vaccine can be transmitted sexually and expose people to adverse outcomes. This has been known the entire time the vaccine has been out. And Naomi Wolf has done some great work on this in the past couple of weeks, exposing all of this from the documents that the drug companies brought to the FDA from their clinical trials. They actually describe sexual contact as a means of vaccination. And we know that they've been researching ways to have vaccines that spread among populations the same way a virus would. That's not a conspiracy theory. It's not new. It's in the drug company's documents and the transmissibility of vaccines as a goal is well-documented and well-reported. And so the pro-abortion crowd describes all of this as if we're going back to some sort of stone age. We are making it impossible for women to live their lives. And for a political movement who believes that they are on the verge always of creating utopia, if you will just allow them to change everything about humanity, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them to be deathly afraid of going back to the time before everyone was just allowed to have abortions everywhere. I think what we may find is that the culture of sexual permissiveness is going to recede. People are going to have to have conversations. If you care about your health, if you care about this stuff, you're going to have to have the conversation. Hey, are you vaccinated before you have sex? And that fact alone is going to change the calculus for people determining whether or not they want to engage in casual sex with a person they've just met. If you have stock in Tinder or Bumble, might be a good time to sell. Likewise, people are going to have to think, would I be comfortable having a baby with this person? 
And if the answer is no, maybe you make the decision not to have sex. Is it as wild and free and fun? No, but you might find you have a more rewarding life because the truth is when you take the consequences away from the action, when you have separated those two things, maybe you don't have to feel the guilt. Maybe you don't have to deal with the consequences, but the truth is the moral reward is gone too. Because that moral reward comes with making the right decision, even if it's not what you're instinctually inclined to do. And there's a deep history of thought in moral philosophy about exactly that. Immanuel Kant, the most moral action is the one you do out of a sense of duty, even though you don't want to do it. And restricting one's own sexual promiscuity is the sort of thing that rewards you morally because you can feel good about what you're doing and how you're treating other people. And it creates a sense of respect, not only for the sanctity of the unborn, but also of the proper role of sexual intimacy in human relationships. So the decision was handed down about 1030 Eastern today, and there were already a bunch of protesters at the Supreme Court on both sides. Reporters were there, bunch of cameras there. The pro-life supporters were, by and large, fairly young, lots of women, ethnically diverse and very joyful, singing and dancing. And the other side, as you might imagine, is comprised of lonely and nihilistic scientific materialists who apparently do not have much love in their lives. They do have a wide range of hair colors, and many of them are middle-aged and older. These are old feminists from decades ago who just kept going because there was nothing else in their lives. They felt important doing their feminist stuff back in the 1970s, and they just kept on going. Because no matter how good it gets for women in the United States of America, there's always a need for more feminism. Because without more feminism, it's really hard to get all the way to communist utopia. Now, I read the post, the letter, the warning from Jane's Revenge on the podcast last week. And it was honestly so preposterous that it's hard to know 100% if Jane's Revenge is a real thing or just a psyop supported by vandalism. But we can assume for now, for the sake of discussion, that it is real and there are indications enough that it is real. And they have decided that at 8 p.m. tonight, they begin a night of rage. And of course, as you know, by night of rage, they mean mostly peaceful protests. The Babylon Bee actually has a hilarious headline up today. They do such good work. I love the Babylon Bee. The headline says... Authorities warn tonight's protests may escalate from mostly peaceful to somewhat peaceful. And while it's fun to joke about, there are actual groups threatening actual violence. On Twitter, an account called Our Rights DC tweeted, Enraged? Devastated? Pissed the fuck off? So are we. Meet us at, and they give an address. There's no reason for me to spread it. We meet at 6.30 p.m., 7 p.m. We carpool to the Thomas's street, wear a mask, and they're planning on protesting Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas at their house. 
which is, of course, illegal. Will they be prosecuted? Will they be arrested? Probably not, because we have Merrick Garland as attorney general and Merrick Garland is a dyed in the wool communist. So I read the warning from Jane's Revenge last week, and I went to their site because I find this stuff fascinating. They made a post called Night of Rage on May 30th that is worth sharing for its pure, unbridled ridiculousness. An autonomous call to action against patriarchal supremacy. Within the month, we anticipate a verdict will be issued that overturns Roe versus Wade, setting in motion an evisceration of abortion access across the so-called United States. This is an event that should inspire rage in millions of people who can get pregnant. Oh, people who can get pregnant still don't know what a woman is, huh, guys? And yet the response thus far has been tepid. Oh, that's so weird. People didn't get all up in arms about the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Well, that's hard to believe. I was told the country with an overwhelming majority supports Roe versus Wade. Gosh, that's so strange that the reaction would be tepid. We have agonized over this apparent absence of indignation. <laughs> Why is it that we are so afraid to unleash hell upon those who are destroying us? Fear of state repression is valid, but this goes deeper than that. Your anger has been stolen from you. To this, we say no more. We need to get angry. This is their real sight for real. We need the state to feel our full wrath. We need to express this madness fully and with ferocity. We need to quit containing ourselves. <laughs> you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. You can actually only hope they contain themselves. We need them to be afraid of us. And they go on and on and on. It's a clown show. Now, is this group a front for an organization behind it that is well-organized and well-funded? Totally possible. Totally possible. Will there be protests? Probably. Will there be vandalism and looting and assaults? Maybe. Are we going to get the summer of 2020? I highly, highly doubt it. Because first of all, this isn't the same kind of issue as solving racism by marching down a street and posting a black square on Instagram. They do not have the overwhelming moral majority they think they have. This issue is not as all-encompassing as the race issue. The shame factor involved is not as great. It is going to be very hard for them to pressure people into posting about this and going on their marches and taking their pictures just to prove that they were out there trying to save women's rights too. And with that in mind, you would imagine that people would not allow the same degree of violence and mayhem that they allowed in 2020, partly because they were sitting at home with their masks on, desperately praying for a vaccine, but also because, again, that issue makes people back down from their principles, knowing that they are at risk at all times of being called racist and having the left-wing cancel mob go after them and dox them and torture them, try to get them fired from their jobs, try to cost them their entire social reputation. This isn't that. 
also, we know from Patel Patriots work and other work that a lot went into tracking and monitoring the organizations behind the domestic terrorists of 2020 in Black Lives Matter and Tifa. And we are going to begin getting some real world information and feedback on how extensive that was and how effective it was. It will also be really interesting to see if the cities and states are prepared to deal with widespread rioting this time around. You wonder if the National Guard will be called in by state governors to deal with some of this stuff. And we should hope that they are. Because what we are about to see is organized political violence. It is in every way domestic terrorism on a broad scale. They can say whatever they like about January 6th. All of that is projection. But this is going to be a fraught couple of days. We're going to see how we get through this. And hopefully we get through it without too many incidents. Hopefully law enforcement steps up and does their job. Hopefully the governors and the mayors around the country step up and do their jobs. The sheriffs step up and do their jobs. We need that. If that's not there, then we can potentially run into the problem of people beginning to take these sorts of things into their own hands. And we do not want that, especially not exactly 10 days before the 4th of July. I have a feeling we're going to have a very festive Independence Day this year. I also think this may be one of the last opportunities the left has to run this playbook in the United States. Because if they don't get people out there causing violence, if the violence isn't allowed to run rampant like it was in 2020, then we'll be able to see pretty clearly that their balloon has kind of deflated. They are running out of options at a rapid pace. And while the timing of the release of the decision today makes it possible to have a weekend of rioting, whereas if they released it on Monday of next week, much less likely, they also did time it to release it right after the decision about guns. So maybe the calculus for potential rioters changes and they think, well, hey, you know, I love communism, but I don't want to get shot by a real American. And yes, I know I'm saying that callously and kind of jokingly because I don't want Americans going out and attempting to engage rioters. Hopefully it does not get to that point. Hopefully law enforcement does their job and we don't have anything like that because when events like that occur, they do have the potential to spark more violence. And that is what all of us should try to avoid at absolutely every turn until it becomes necessitated. Political violence is only a bad thing. And it will be portrayed as being instigated by MAGA, by the right. And the communists will use that to enhance their January 6th committee television show. So before we get into the reaction from all the communists, let's just take a second and remember who Jane Roe was. Her real name was Norma McCorvey, and this is a news clip from ABC back in the day. 
Jane Rowe's story was a terrible one. She said she had been gang raped, gotten pregnant, was desperate to get an abortion. That's what everyone believed, as long as Jane Rowe remained anonymous. When she went public, she told a different story. You were raped while you were in Georgia? No, I wasn't. You were not? No, I wasn't. Oh, so all those stories that are in the books and so forth are not true? Yes, sir. Yes. They're not true. Right. And it turned out that lying wasn't the only embarrassment this darling of the pro-choice forces presented. In her personal treatise published last year, Norma McCorvey told the story of her somewhat sordid life. Then she still adamantly supported abortion. Now she adds that to the list of sins she took with her into the baptismal pool. I've cheated people out of money. I've sold drugs. I... You know, I, I, used, I, was, I was an abusive alcoholic for, you know, many, many years. Um, I've done a lot against his teachings. Um, but I, I think the far greater sin that I did was to be the plaintiff in Roe versus Wade. So the Roe versus Wade decision was made by abusing the text of the Constitution behind public sentiment that sided with Jane Roe, who is in every way a fictional character. Norma McCorvey's a real person, but the story didn't happen. And knowing that that tactic worked and on some level worked for 50 years, you can kind of understand what the point of it was in the first place. The court was used to create law and fundamentally circumvent the Constitution and the will of the people. And that decision has been supported for decades by the Democrat Communist Party. They run elections. They campaign on the idea that they are going to protect a woman's right to choose. But a woman does not have a right to choose abortion, at least not in American constitutional law. And there is almost no one on the left who knows that at all. So let's get into some of the reaction. And I would normally start with the fake president, but instead, let's start with the person whose agenda the fake president is out there attempting to enact. And that, of course, is the former president, Barack Hussein Obama, who took to Twitter to express the discomfort of at least 10 percent of the country. Today, the Supreme Court not only reversed nearly 50 years of precedent, it relegated the most intensely personal decision someone can make to the whims of politicians and ideologues, attacking the essential freedoms of millions of Americans. He wrote across the country, states have already passed restricting choice. If you're looking for ways to respond, and he tags some groups and many other groups have been sounding the alarm on this issue for years and will continue to be on the front lines of this fight. And he posts, join with the activists who've been sounding the alarm on abortion access for years and act. Stand with them at a local protest. Volunteer with one of their organizations. Knock on doors for a candidate you believe in. Vote on or before November 8th and in every other election. Because in the end, if we want judges who will protect all and not just some of our rights, then we've got to elect officials committed to doing the same. So that is the mild version of get out in the streets and coming from Barack Obama, a 
community organizer who was mentored in politics by an actual domestic terrorist, much like Chesa Boudin and many other radical communists in the Democrat Communist Party, and someone who has at every point supported the domestic terrorism of Black Lives Matter Antifa, it's not hard to decipher that coded language. Now, here is some reaction from the woman who believes that she was the president right after Barack Hussein Obama. And that, of course, is Hillary Clinton. She wrote, most Americans believe the decision to have a child is one of the most sacred decisions there is, and that such decisions should remain between patients and their doctors. Well, shouldn't they remain between the woman who is pregnant and the man who impregnated her? Why are doctors giving their input into whether or not a woman should make the decision to abort and whether or not that's the right decision for her? What does the doctor have to do with that? And if you understand the industry that is actually built up behind abortion, then that begins to make more sense. They actually want to be able to send pregnant women to doctors at Planned Parenthood and elsewhere who will encourage those women to get abortions. And because we know that there is a market for fetal tissue, among other things, we can know that there is an incentive structure behind the abortion industry that may indeed go all the way down to the woman who is deciding whether or not to have an abortion. Clinton continues, today's Supreme Court opinion will live in infamy as a step backward for women's rights and human rights. And I think every child whose mother did not decide to abort them might go ahead and disagree with that. Again, there is no constitutional right to abortion. The idea that abortion is a woman's right or a human right is very odd. You are making the assertion that a woman has the right to kill the baby growing inside her. And people like Hillary Clinton and the Democrat Communist Party position in general want to enable women to decide to kill the life that is growing inside them right up until the moment of birth. And if you're in California, potentially even after birth. And as you might imagine, Hillary Clinton's very next post was to fundraise on the back of this issue and route that fundraising effort directly to Act Blue. And now that we have dealt with the two higher ranking fake presidents, let's go to the current fake president. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people that it had already recognized. They didn't limit it. They simply took it away. That's never been done to a right so important to so many Americans. But they did it. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. What a truly inspiring leader. And I know what you're thinking. Has the fake president always been that inspiring? The answer is yes. In fact, here's Joe Biden in 2006. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. And they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. Perhaps his viewpoint has just evolved over time. 
And because Kamala Harris is entirely irrelevant, we will just skip over her. No one even knows if she's reacted yet, because honestly, no one cares. So let's go to the person who is next in the line of succession behind the fake president and the fake vice president. And of course, I'm talking about Nancy Pelosi. I started there early for voting the, the day that we lost but, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But to be clear, you're not taking any arrows out of your quiver. You're not ruling anything out. Good morning, Sunday morning. The, uh, the, the, we have a responsibility. We take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Oh, sorry, that was the wrong clip. That was from September 2020 when Nancy Pelosi's brain became permanently fried. This is what she said today. There's no point in saying good morning because it certainly is not one. This morning, the radical Supreme Court is eviscerating Americans' rights and endangering their health and safety. But the Congress will continue to act uh, to overcome this extremism and and protect the American people. Today, the Republican-controlled Supreme Court has achieved their dark, extreme goal of ripping away a woman's right to make their own reproductive health decisions. Because of Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, and the Republican Party, their supermajority in the Supreme Court, American women today have less freedom than their mothers. With Roe and their attempt to destroy it, radical Republicans are charging ahead with their crusade to criminalize health freedom. In the Congress, be aware of this, the Republicans are plotting a nationwide abortion ban. They cannot be allowed to have a majority in the Congress to do that. But that's their goal. And if you read, and again, we're all studying all this, but if you read what is in the very clear, one of the justices had his own statement. It's about contraception, in vitro fertilization, family planning, that is all what will spring from their decision that they made today. Now, this is one of those moments where I'm upset that I can only give you the audio because the video is amazing. Nancy Pelosi is having an absolute meltdown. Her face, she looks furious and horrified and extremely insecure. And that little rattling sound you heard there at the end was one of her her, uh, her earrings falling off her head right onto the podium. She is just falling apart. It's such a contradiction. Yesterday, the, say, the states <clears throat> cannot make laws governing the constitutional right to bear arms. And today, they're saying the exact reverse that the states can overturn a constitutional right for 50 years, a constitutional right for a woman having the right to choose. The hypocrisy is raging, but the harm is endless. What this means to women is such an insult. It's a slap in the face to women about using their own judgment 
to make their own decisions about their reproductive freedom. And again, it goes well. I always have said the termination of a pregnancy is just their opening act. It's just their front game. But because, but behind it, behind it, and for years, I have seen in this Congress opposition to any family planning, domestic or global, when we have had those discussions and those debates and those votes on the floor of the House. This is deadly serious. But we are not going to let this pass. A woman's right to choose reproductive freedom is on the ballot in November. We cannot allow them to take charge so that they can institute their goal, which is to criminalize reproductive freedom. You got that? If you are pro-life, if you are anti-abortion, you want to criminalize reproductive freedom. And reproductive freedom is defined as a woman's ability to kill the fetus inside her. And all of this sounds especially odd from people who claim not to know what the definition of woman is. Nancy Pelosi says it's a woman's right to choose. Hillary Clinton believes it's a woman and her doctor's right to choose. And all of them threw that argument completely out the window Last year, the whole my body, my choice thing, when they started implementing vaccine mandates and telling people that they had to be injected with an experimental gene therapy for a disease that couldn't kill them while knowing that the vaccine could. And the intensity and emotionality with which they deliver all of these messages is pretty odd and makes you think, what else are they trying to preserve here? Because they clearly don't care about people's ability to make their own choices when it comes to health care. They don't care about that at all. We need to let go of even the idea that they might. They have proven conclusively that they don't. So when they use that argument, you should understand that argument to be a lie. They are saying it because it sounds more convincing than what the truth is. And the truth is. They have an industry that is built up around collecting aborted fetal tissue, among other things. The idea that it is hypocritical to have yesterday preserved a constitutional right as written in the Constitution and to then today send the abortion issue back to the states so the states can make the decisions rather than the federal government is insane. In one case, there is a clearly defined right in the Bill of Rights written in the Constitution in no uncertain terms. That right cannot be violated by the state. There is absolutely nothing in the Constitution about abortion. They had an implied right to abortion based on a badly rendered Supreme Court decision that was centered around a lie from the start. Those are not the same things at all. But we are talking about people with absolutely no principles whatsoever. So what else can you expect? Illegitimate Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said today was one of the darkest days our country has ever seen, with millions upon millions of American women having their rights taken from them by five unelected justices on the extremist MAGA court. 
Oh, my institutions. What happened to respecting those? These justices appointed by Republicans and presiding without any accountability have stolen a fundamental right to have an abortion away from American women in this country. These justices were intentionally appointed by Republicans to overturn Roe versus Wade, and every Republican senator knew this would happen if they voted to confirm these radical justices. MAGA Republicans who voted to confirm Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett are, quote, all complicit in today's decision and all of its consequences for women and families in this country. Yes, Chuck, how will they live with themselves? But the important thing to notice here is that the Democrat communists who are sitting illegitimately in office are now describing the Supreme Court as extremists. The Supreme Court justices are extremists. And one of the most delightful things about this whole scenario is that part of their absolute meltdown revolves around the fact that Merrick Garland was never allowed to get on to the Supreme Court to replace Justice Antonin Scalia, who died in a very, very suspicious way. It was claimed to be a heart attack, even though he was found with a pillow over his head. There was no autopsy done, and then his body was embalmed. So Scalia died an untimely death, and Barack Obama tried to replace him with Merrick Garland. And you can recall that freakout. Donald Trump came in, appointed three Supreme Court justices, and here we are. That's how that works. Sorry, commies. Now, here is the communist cheerleader, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, with some communist activist. The activist is holding a megaphone with a wired microphone attached to it and exchanging it back and forth between herself and AOC so that AOC can yell into it. It's like they're singing into the same microphone, like they're Def Leppard or something. This decision illegitimate into the streets. Now, what is illegitimate about the decision? Well, they have no idea. They think that Donald Trump was not duly elected, that he was not a legitimate president and that his Supreme Court picks are not legitimate either. I would guess. I hope they remember that principle when Katanji Brown Jackson's name begins to come up in the same context in the future. But there is absolutely no way they will because they will pretend that because they were the ones saying the court and the justices were illegitimate because they were appointed by an illegitimate president, they were simply right. And it doesn't work in both directions. And as you might imagine, there was a meltdown among Blue Anon journalists on Twitter and celebrities. This is Jennifer Rubin from The Washington Post making absolutely no sense. A state can now execute a woman for refusing to submit to a forced birth even if the quote unquote abortion is within hours of conception, barbarism. What is she talking about? Well, absolutely no one knows. One would think that if you are tossing around a word like barbarism, you might want to account for the fact that 
abortion in the late term actually involves dismantling the anatomy of a clearly human fetus. But hey, that's just science. And science can't be barbaric. Bette Midler wrote, get ready, gays, you're next. And that only sounds like a threat. Again, who knows what she's talking about? I guess maybe she's trying to imply that gay marriage will be overturned at some point. And maybe one day it will be. I don't know. I don't think anyone is really talking about that at all. Blue Anon media figure Anna Navarro wrote, the insurrectionist promoter's husband, she's talking about Ginny Thomas and Clarence Thomas there, citing, she misspelled sitting, I know it's a tough one, on the Supreme Court, wrote a concurring opinion taking aim at rulings legalizing contraception, same-sex relationships, and same-sex marriage. Maybe Thomas prefers Americans have sex with their pistols and marry their AK-47s. So funny, so witty, so clever. But did Clarence Thomas's opinion overturn any of those things or change the status of any of those things? No, it did not. But they want the hardest possible freakout, so you might as well go for the whole thing. Alyssa Milano wrote, if abortion is banned nationwide, pregnancy-related deaths could increase 21% nationwide and 33% among black women. And those figures are obviously made up. Banning abortion will disproportionately impact people of color, LGBTQ plus communities, people struggling to make ends meet, young people, and those living in rural areas. Now, first off, Democrat communists don't want anyone living in rural areas. How in the world does abortion affect lesbian, gay, and transgender people? If they're out there getting accidentally pregnant, something has seriously gone wrong. Here is a spectacular one from some woman, I assume, named Nicole Ari Parker. What TF is actually happening? Full and total control of women. Clap hands does. Clap hands not. Clap hands work. It, all caps, will backfire in the worst way. The whole world emoji will come crashing down. Where's the the sperm testicle mankini bathing suit in public legislation? We don't get pregnant by ourselves. And I have absolutely no idea what she's talking about. I am relatively certain she is never going to be pregnant. Stephen King wrote, it's the best Supreme Court the 19th century has yet produced. <laughs> now, again, all of this is very strange because the people freaking out the hardest about this, by and large, are not people who would ever need to seek abortions. We're talking about communist men, middle aged and over communist women and people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And they are always expressing their opinion as if it is ever for the benefit of someone else. It is not actually for them. And I've said this many times, but that tracks the logic on pretty much every communist argument. They won't actually argue the issue. They'll argue that if you don't agree with them, you're harming someone else that they don't know. But it's always someone that you are oppressing. And it's particularly odd when you know that 
certain states will preserve abortion, at least for the next little while or maybe years or maybe decades. So who is most affected by it? Obviously, people with means can go get abortions in other states if that's what they want to do. So it's not them that's affected. It's poor women and minority women. And that is how they always describe it. And a lot of the times they describe those things as exactly the same, because in their mind, if you are a minority, you are automatically poor. And if you are white, you are automatically not poor. And so what they're essentially claiming is that they want to preserve the ability for poor women and minority women to have abortions and provide aborted fetal tissue or potentially organs or potentially something else. And the statistics bear that out as 40 plus million black babies have been aborted since the Roe versus Wade decision. Black Americans represent 12 or 13% of the American population, assuming you can trust the census numbers. And of course you cannot, but they represent over half of the abortions. And yet we are supposed to see this as something that black women definitely want. It is a benefit to the black community. Women in the black community could never get ahead without abortion. That is what we are told. While 40 million black babies have been eradicated. I would honestly respect these politicians more if they simply came out and said, I want the ability to have an abortion in the event of an accidental pregnancy and then actually argue the issue, argue the morality, argue why you should be able to do that rather than pretending that you're saving people, that you actually care about human lives. That mythology is gone after watching COVID. The response clearly was not directed at saving human lives. Never was. Masks didn't help. Lockdowns didn't help. The vaccine didn't help. All three of those things have caused devastation worldwide, destroyed lives worldwide. Hundreds of millions of people pushed into extreme poverty by government decisions and nothing more. They saved zero lives. They destroyed hundreds of millions of lives. These people do not respect life. Their motivation is something else. And that's why they will never talk about their own motivations. And now the decision has been made. Roe versus Wade is gone. And after two months of protesting and threatening Supreme Court justices, despite the fact that the decision has been made and locked in, these people still want more people in the streets, more violence, more riots. Why? Is it going to change the outcome? And all of this is happening with the illegitimate January 6th committee in the background. The protesters at the Capitol on January 6th were there to express their position about something that had not been fully decided yet. But this thing is done. Are they looking ahead to the campaign? Do they imagine American voters are going to go in and love Democrats after watching them destroy the country for another summer again? Why are they so keen to promote violence? Jen Psaki and Karine Jean-Pierre have communicated clearly that the White House's position is that protesters should be allowed to protest in front of the Supreme Court justices' houses against the law, in direct violation of the law, and the fake administration encourages it. What are they expecting to get from all this? 
Well, potentially the destabilization of our society, which they can then exploit. Perhaps they want a civil war. Maybe they want people on the right to come out and stand up for their communities. And then violence would happen that they believe they can exploit. That's possible. And it's also possible that they will have some of their invented right wing groups come out and instigate violence with the communists. So it will be undercover communist versus communist. They'll display the violence on television, say that it was extremists, that it was domestic terrorist Trump supporters and try to run their January 6th playbook all over again or their Proud Boys playbook from 2020. Pretend that they are the peaceful protesters and that the violence is all coming from the other side. These people are running out of options quickly. And so you can expect that they are going to increase their actions to destabilize the country. They are not principally or otherwise opposed to a civil war. That is one of the things that could potentially allow them to maintain their grip on power. They want the opportunity to use state force and state violence against American citizens. And they have made that clear over and over again with policy after policy after policy. They want more reason to censor. They want more reason to restrict Americans who do not agree with them from living a normal American life and from participating in society. So I think the next few days are going to be really interesting. I am optimistic that the violence will be minimal, that law enforcement and potentially the National Guard will be present to stifle that, and that the general public wants absolutely nothing to do with this. That would be the best possible result. But they are going to try, and even Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security is reporting on specific threats coming from left-wing activist groups against churches and family planning centers, the real kind of family planning, not the way Nancy Pelosi uses it, which is deciding to get abortions. That's what she calls family planning. So we will have to see, but there are a lot of things right now that are coming to a head. So let's stay alert and Stay safe and get through this weekend. And in 10 days, we get to celebrate American independence. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!